Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting once again in Snake and Jake's Christmas Club Lounge in the heart of the Clempire with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, man. What is going on here? Hey, hey, hey. Happy New Year for real, Manny. Oh, really? I'm already sick of this new year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, enough of I, it. I, I was thinking, uh, you know, I always get a little bit down. After, some people get kind of down during the holidays. I, I usually get a little bit down once they're over because, and I was trying to think, well, why is that? Well, it's, it's similar to the way I'm always slightly... Uh, uh, you know, disappointed when I wake up every morning, you know, it's like, oh, geez, this again, you know, I got a whole nother one of these to go through. Well, the year is, the you know, the new year is kind of like that, but on a grander scale, you know, it's like, oh, brother. <laughs> so basically you wake up and you look at your people that you're living with and where you're at and you're like, this is it? <laughs> well, I, is that how you feel? I wouldn't say it's. Saying? I wouldn't say it's like uh, externally driven. It's uh, not not a function of of my my environment, my external, and maybe it's a, a function of my internal uh, environment. But uh, uh, you know, but we we uh, we we trudge forward. Well, there's medication for that, Renee. Yeah, well, I, I got you a full know. glass of it right yeah. here, Manny. So uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll see how that how that. I know. Uh, so do you, you you need to get up then in the morning and have a glass. That's what you should probably do. <laughs> That's what op- I do. Eye opener. Yeah. yeah. Say, wake up. If coffee ain't doing it for you, you know. Like, Try uh, something like, else. Like, Put a little something in that like, coffee. Like Churchill. I used to go yeah. with the brandy with breakfast. Huh? There you go. Well, my great-grandmother, who lived to be 103, she'd have uh, tequila and grapefruit with breakfast. Really? Yeah. <laughs> my grandpa had a shot of Jim Beam every single morning. Oh, there no kidding? Out the door. Yep. <laughs> this could be something for you, Renee. Uh, you know, this usually... something for Ancient you. wisdom. Come on, what do you care? Your kids are gone. Well, usually... You know, except, the wife's there. Except usually once I start, I, wanna, I, I don't want to stop. You know, I want to keep going for the... For, you know, well, it's so. not like you have a job to go to. It's not like you have to get up and shower, <laughs> shave, <laughs> clock in somewhere. Well, I mean, I, I do have yeah. things I have to do, but I, I can't, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't think I should start drinking uh, uh, all day long. My advice anything. to you, that should be your resolution, is to take up more drinking. Okay. That's all what right. should be your Everyone's quitting drinking. Right. Trying diets and all that. For you, I think it's try to be... Uh, less of that and more uh, forget the sobriety and just start drinking heavily. Okay. You know. Drunk January. There you go. <laughs> okay. I mean, it is the season, right, already here in this town? Well, yeah, we're the coming. parades are starting this Saturday. Yeah. yeah. God damn. Yeah, coming right up on 12th Jeez. night. Yes, yeah. we're going to go. 12th uh, night, yeah. I have 13 the, drinks on 12th uh, night. Car- carnival season is, yeah. uh, is upon us. Yeah, well, that's so. Tis the season, I guess, right. is what they say. Well, how was New Year's Eve in your neighborhood? Was there a, a lot of uh, fireworks, a lot of gunfire? Um, I'm shootings? sure there was. Oh, I, I mean, didn't, I kept my doors closed. Okay. And I had the TV on. I was watching movies and stuff. Uh, okay. Yeah, usually there's all that stuff going on, you know. Uh, but you, it was not. Didn't bother your good time. Didn't disturb you. No, because I was heavily sedated. Okay. Because I had woke up that day and started drinking heavily. Oh, okay. You know? so you're, you're already putting the plan in place. Yeah, you know. But the one thing that got me pissed off about the New Year already mm-hmm. is that um, the Times-Picayune and the Gambit both refuse to publish 
Every year, I make a list of people who should have died in the last year. <laughs> and they refuse to publish a, that. A, a death wish list, yeah. as it were. And also, <laughs> Facebook blocked me once again from posting it, also. <laughs> you know, and you know some of the people. X will have it. On this list. Oh, I bet I do. Yeah, you know a lot of these people on this yeah. list. It might so be that was one thing that pissed me off about the new year already. Okay. Then I realized, you know, my wife said, you know, uh, Mardi Gras on the 13th of February. I go, fuck. That's soon? It's early. Yeah, yeah it's very yeah. early this year. You know, we have to do... Uh, well, I try to avoid it. Well, I'm hoping to go out of town that week. So. Well, it'll be over quicker, so, you know, you look at it that way. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I don't know. But they'll figure something out. They'll have a parade about something. So what else is happening? Well, I saw, you know, we, we uh, had a, a slew of uh, celebrity deaths, some, some greats, some old school guys. Uh, since we had the last show, we lost uh, Tommy Smothers. I know a friend of yours, Manny. Yeah, Tommy Smothers, a good guy. He, he was great, man. He was a good yo-yo expert, too. He knew and the yo-yo. I, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And do you know, um, Steve Martin was one of the original writers for that show. Hmm, okay. Smothers Brothers Comedy I, I, I think I did know that. Steve Martin was a writer. What about... Uh, uh, Who else died? Woody huh? Allen, was he a writer on that show no, too? No, no, no. Okay. No, Woody was by then, you know, writing plays and getting ready oh, to make okay. movies and stuff oh, okay. like that. Um, well, the the other guy is... Uh, I, I didn't even realize he was still alive, but real old school, Shecky Green. Oh, yeah. Shecky died, yeah. No, Shecky's been performing till the day he died. He's still working the the lounges in Vegas. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, that's sad. He was one of those guys who never, I mean, got all the respect from other stand-ups. They loved him, but he never really broke out and made it huge on his own, like a Rickles or a Rodney and stuff like that. He was, you know, he just played those rooms in Vegas until he until he died. You know, I saw him a few times in Vegas. Yeah. He was hilarious. Yeah. Fucking hilarious, man. Uh, and really sick, too. Like Buddy Hackett sick sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I, I, got, I was fortunate to see him a few times in nice. Vegas. Yeah. Well, he was like 96 or something, huh? Yeah, 96. Yeah. And, and uh, I just love that name, Shecky. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he had one of even if if you didn't know who he was, you most people knew his name just because right. it's one of those names. Right, you know? exactly, yeah. exactly. That's, that's an accomplishment. Uh, yeah, so we lost him. But, lost him, uh, and then the other one just uh, like uh, last night or, or today uh, lost the great Les McCann. That's probably somebody that you don't know by name, Manny, but a great uh, soul jazz piano player. Uh, and singer. Uh, oh, he was on my list. Oh, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I don't know why he was a good guy, but uh, you know, maybe it's just a just a feeling you had that yeah, that was going to happen. Yeah, well, I don't he, know. he he famously had a big hit with uh, trying to make it real compared to what you may recognize that song title, but uh, it was a. Uh, uh, a bunch of his music was sampled by uh, hip-hop artists and stuff, oh. but uh, he made a lot of... Uh, uh, Maybe it was a hit on him. Some, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I actually uh, actually got to play with Les a few years ago at, at that uh, Hawaiian jazz festival that the Iguanas always go to, and uh, oh. we, we wound up backing him up on a few numbers and uh, spent a couple of days hanging out with him. And that was. Uh, and how so, old was he? Um, he was in his 80s by then. But, oh, uh, and how old was he yesterday? I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I'm guessing still his 80s, but <laughs> I mean, he might have been in his early 90s at this point. He'd, he'd been around for a long time. 
And anyway, so uh, yeah, those guys, you know, they're gone. Uh, no more coming down the pipe. Well, no more less is basically That's what right. you're saying. No more less. No more less. Less is more, but, yeah. but no more. No more less. Um, well, that's that's too bad. Yeah. Well, and he was a banjo player, he's a piano player, oh, okay. and, and singer, oh, uh, composer. I got you. I got you. All right. So, did you do anything else exciting uh, during the since the last show? No, but I, I watched a lot of football because it is the time for all the bowls. It's the bowl season, right? I've actually been watching a lot of football myself, yeah. Manny. I was I was getting kind of excited because it looked like the Raiders were coming on strong in the second part of the season. Yeah, but, uh, they it's, fucked up. It's uh, it's, it's it's all see the thing now that my team plays in Vegas. I can always just say it's all Vegas. You know, Vegas controls all the sports. So when my team loses, I just go, it's Vegas. Yeah, probably it's all true. Vegas, you know. But I did notice something because uh, um, um, the big bowl game, there was one last night, the Sugar Bowl, um, which has uh, the Texas team, the Texas Longhorns, right. were playing the Washington Huskies. And I saw some pregame stuff about it, and apparently one of the Manning kids plays on Texas. Arch Manning. Arch, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a... Uh, like, Cooper's son. Cooper's son, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But then I started looking. I started. They showed pictures of Archie and Peyton and Eli, and then they cut to the interview with Arch, and I thought to myself, man, what an ugly bunch of people these guys are. <laughs> well, Fucking ugly from Archie to Arch. These kids are just yeah. ugly. They have kind of a raw-boned look about yeah, them. Yeah, and Peyton, you know, Peyton's like, the word, You know, but these guys are just ugly. Well, you know, I, I, I just thought that was... in the eye, eye of the beholder. Well, I guess. I tell know. you what, Peyton, man, Peyton's got got quite a uh, a personality on him, though. Uh, he's, well, uh, he's kind of like Shaq. He'll sell anything. Yeah. The guy's on TV constantly <laughs> selling whatever, and sh just like Shaquille O'Neal is, you know. And I, I guess you know because he was good as a football player. Uh, people are willing to look at his ugly face and buy the products he's pushing. Well, he's an affable guy. You know, he's got a sense of humor about himself. Uh, you know, he's. Well, I uh, hope. I hope he looks in the mirror and laughs. Because <laughs> I laugh at him every time I see him. Oh, you know. Yeah. But yeah, the new kid on on on, on their in their family, Arch Manning, he's supposed to be quite a talent. Yeah. He was uh, he was a quarterback for uh, Newman, I believe, in Newman yeah. High School here. I yeah, think which were, is he was, uh, dominating. There. Yeah, but that high school, they don't play the big teams that high school. Yeah, they, they, they they're like in the C League. They're they, like in Division uh, I think C. They, they, they play some competitive uh, some competitive teams. Really? Well, they got busted, Newman. They just got busted. Did they? Yeah, their basketball program got stripped of like two seasons worth of victories huh. and, the, and the coach got fired. Really? Oh, yeah, they for all this illegal recruiting. You know. uh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Okay. Anyway, that's what all those big rich schools do. Anyway, you know. Sure. Well, you they know, can't it, be honest. When a, look, a school when you got to have a school who's charging, uh, you know, I don't know what it is. Forty, fifty thousand dollars a year to go to third grade. Uh, you know, they they got some money to throw around. They got some yeah. scholarships to uh, to to wave under people's uh, noses to uh, attract them there. Yeah, well, to. that Arch Manning has a huge snoz. Speaking of noses, okay. Well, you know, speaking of noses, I uh, I, I I quit listening to the Barbara Streisand audiobook. 
I just could not uh, listen How to How far it. did you get? Well, I got to about the second hour or so. Mm-hmm. And she did not once talk about her porno career. Well, she, you, you, uh, yeah. according to you, it's in the 70s, so you got you to gotta get down the no, road. No, it was in the 60s. 60s, okay. Before she made it big oh, on Broadway. Right, right, right. Well, stuff. still, it's, uh, if you're only, yeah. in, if you're only in, uh, two hours in to a 48-hour audio book. Well, two hours in, you know, she's talking about, you know, uh, uh, this and this and her childhood and all that kind of stuff and but then she skips past over all the way to broadway you know huh. it's just well, like she maybe it's gonna jump around maybe gonna revisit well, she those, did uh, jump around in the okay. sack a lot back uh, apparently okay. back all in right. the early well, 60s I'm, I'm looking forward when when my number comes up at the library i'm gonna listen to the whole all 48 hours and i'll i'll report back to the troubled nation and and i'll i'll tell you exactly what hour if if in what fact, hour he came in his if, pants if that's in, what I'll, these I'll, guys I'll, in love with her man well i'm i'm you i'm know. a fan uh, i would i would yeah. not say i'm in love with her, but yes, I'm a fan, yeah. and uh, she's a ejaculate. She's a major talent. <laughs> anyway, you know. um, yes, I'm. I'm looking forward to it, but uh, I'm. I'm. I'm going to savor the wait. Yeah. So, uh, he pictures himself as Robert Redford in the way we were. Mm. This guy here. Oh well. That yeah. would that would take. Apparently, she really had the hots for him in that, and oh. he wanted nothing to do with it. That yeah, was the big story that came out he, of the book. He knew about her porno past. Maybe you know. I don't know what it was. You know, but uh, but yeah, he's got a nice leather face now these days, <laughs> well, Robert Redford. But yeah. I was I was curious because you know Barbara's always had a really nice rack. I always thought her rack was really good. Huh. You know, but uh, she don't talk about it anyway. <laughs> Doesn't come up so f- in the first hour of the audio book. That didn't well, come up either. No, yeah. I hope not. All right. Well, I'll let you know if any of those. Yeah. Uh, so topics, how many more? Uh, like eight more weeks to wait. I think maybe seven. I think I'm. A, I only got seven more weeks to wait in the. Uh, this guy's the, so fucking cheap. He just won't go and buy. Well, it. he went got a library card to be on a waiting, waiting list. You're waiting for it to come on Libby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your Libby I'm, waiting I'm, list. It's really more you just are the fun. 147th in line. More just the fun of, of, of doing it. Of course, I could afford to I buy. I mean, at 48 hours, I don't know if you can get the whole book in in your allotted time. I think they give you more time for a long book. For that book. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. couple, of, couple of months. Now, who is Libby? Libby? Yeah. Libby is an app that connects to your library card so you can listen to all these books or read. Some people actually read. See, I, I offered to buy them. him the book, but he refused. He'd rather wait nine weeks. you have to read weeks. it. Wouldn't you rather hear someone read it to well, you? Well, I was going to buy the book. No, I was going to buy him the audio book. Oh. And he refused because he wanted to get a library card and get it well, free. I'd already done it, and then Manny last week got it. Got wait, it. You, got your lib- you got your library card to get Libby to get the Streisand? Yes. Wow. <laughs> That's big. <laughs> you were waiting for that one good book to come along to yeah, be like, I knew, I make it worth the trudge to the library. That's right, right. That's well, he, had, he hadn't had a card. He got a card because he had to go. He hadn't had a card in like, since he was like a kid. Yeah, it's yeah. been a while since I had a library card. Oh. Yeah, no, Libby's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, I'm it's, in Libby all the time. Oh, yeah, it's great. They have all, Listening. all, all kinds of... Uh, oh, it's great when you're on the road. Yeah. You just line up a few things. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a... Okay. It's a hipster's see? dream. All right. See, our, our well, guest. No hipster, our guest is uh, he's a hipster doofus. If you ask me, is on, yeah. on, onto the, uh, onto the, the trail there. Well, uh, let's see. I didn't, I didn't have a whole lot of stuff going on while in the break. I uh, played a, a job with uh, John Papa Grow there the night before New Year's Eve at Chicky Wawa. Oh, it was. Uh, I uh, wasn't sure, you know, what uh, it wound up being a totally packed house. A lot of people came in for Super Bowl or uh, Sugar Bowl, rather. 
So that was a successful gig. Got a few more. Some going and do some road dates with John, Florida, and and later February. Everybody can look out for those. That's about it. I went and and, uh, watched my nieces uh, light some sparklers over there in uh, in mid city. You know, they have this new kind of sparkler I hadn't seen before. It's like has a one that lasts more than ten seconds. Has a paper sheath around it. Oh. And as you light it, it kind of directs the sparks. They kind of shoot out of the end, as opposed to just going in every direction. uh, Now, why did they have sparklers? Oh, because they're little girls, and you know, wanted to have some kind of fireworks to set off. Oh, didn't want to, you know, be uh, blowing their hands off with an M80 or something. So, ah, it was just something to do. Go, go, hang with the kids, and uh, you know, countdown midnight is exciting for them. They're like, you know, seven and nine. So, uh, you know, the Bayou was like a war zone on New Year's Eve. Yeah, it was incredible the amount of fireworks out there. Uh, just, just hour after hour after hour. (laughs) Now. do you like that or uh, me? Loved it. Yeah, actually love it. Yeah, we uh, we were just laying on the couch looking out the window at the fireworks. Nice. Yeah, it was it was incredible. It was re- it's very romantic because like where in America can you be downtown in a city where they're just blowing off hella fireworks for hour after hour, and we're talking major fireworks. Right. Well, New like, York, they they do that too, certain neighborhoods. But uh, yeah, certain. You were downtown. But, no, I'm in the Bayou. Oh. Right by the Blue Bridge. But okay. you're right in the middle of town, more or less. Yeah, mm-hmm. mid-city. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's where I live, too. Yeah, I live right by the Blue Bridge, so we were able to just look out the window and see it. Yeah, well, it doesn't do anything for me. I just remember, I remember uh, uh, during, like, Fourth of July and stuff, all, you know, being from Los Angeles, and we'd go to the beach to watch the fireworks be shot off the Santa Monica Pier. And then I remember one year I was like 16, 17 or something, and I just finally realized, you know, uh, a Vietnam vet's nightmare. I mean, oh, nightmare. Oh, it was just because, you know, the homeless... Dogs. The homeless would, you know, live on the beach because it was free, and most of them were Vietnam yeah, vets. Yes, sir. Yeah. And just to see them, it was awful. It's horrible. That, it was awful. Horrible. Remember, we had, had that on an early show. We talked about that. I think it was the show was called... Uh, uh, Surfside PTSD is the title of the episode. Oh, okay. You, you told that story. Oh, okay. But yeah, I, I, I could take take fireworks. It's just like music. It's just too loud for me. You know, I just can't stand music. I don't like the fireworks anymore. It's just too loud. You know, I just, you know, that's why I didn't go and see them. But the Blue Bridge, so you're over by uh, was the Petot House. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah, right, right over across there. the water from that. Oh yeah. wow, that's a nice property. It's a nice there, man. it's a nice little we got a little apartment there. It's awesome. Love Excellent. it. We're supposed to live there a year. It's been five and a half years. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's like we'll move next month. They yeah. can't they can't kick you out. They've been trying your squatting now, is that it? <laughs> uh, no, we're uh we rent uh this apartment from uh he's a surgeon at uh at a local hospital. And he doesn't really, he's not really in the landlord business. He just comes around every once in a while. Right. Yeah. So you just try to stay out of like his way. Like the upside is, don't yeah, make any you waves. just like yeah, hang yeah. out. Everything's <laughs> good. The surgeon. downside is I got to fix a lot of things myself, but sure. it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's a guy. great trade. It's everything you want, really. Nice. So, so he true. comes by every once in a while and one drops off your scripts. Is that it? No, he, uh, <laughs> you wish. Oh, hey, I asked. What there kind of surgeon a, is he? 
I don't have no idea. Oh, really? The kind that makes a lot of money. Okay. They just have houses care that about he doesn't care much about. In his, in his apartments. He is the nicest guy you will ever meet. Grew up here. Sweetheart of a man. Yeah, but he was he on really my is. list. Everyone you know loves him. Uh, he was on Manny's <laughs> list. No, he wouldn't have been on your list. No, even if you wrote it, like the pen wouldn't make ink. It would be like, no, this oh, is wrong. Really? He is that nice of a guy. Okay. Yeah. All right. He is. He Shout is loved up and down the block. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Generous person. Well, uh, Manny, maybe we should get our guest in here since he's uh, he's kind of worming his way in, huh? Yeah. Sure. You've heard him speak already. He's he's not a New Orleans native, but he's been he's a, a recent transplant of sorts. Had a, a fantastic career. Lived several lives already. Uh, uh, he's a, a terrific songwriter, singer, guitar and piano player, recording artist. He just released his sixth record in September. It's uh, called Bayou St. John. Has uh, Roland Garin and uh, Troubled Men podcast guest Doug Belot playing on it with him. He's also a former TV executive, worked on for C-SPAN, Lifetime TV, Bravo, is ultimately a president of distribution for Bravo, named uh, top 10 most important, powerful people in TV that year. He's also a student of Buddhism and meditation. He's been involved in, in several, uh, several endeavors along those lines, also a sculptor. Uh, has all kind of stuff. Uh, we're going to get into some I'm not even going to mention here. But without further ado, the great Mr. Greg Hill. Welcome, Greg. Glad to be here. Thanks yeah, for man. having me, Renee. Glad to have Thanks, you. Thanks, Manny. So, Greg, uh, we've already established you're not from New Orleans. Where, where did you uh, grow up? Uh, I was born in Chicago and then spent most of my life in New York. So Chicago, then went to high school and college in New Jersey, outside New York. Then Washington, D.C. for three years, Dallas for four, Chicago again for okay. like seven or something, and then New York for right, a long time. Getting and way ahead of us here. <laughs> been go. here for like, I don't know, five and a half years in okay. New Orleans now. All right. You said you're from Chicago? Originally? I was born there, yeah. yeah. I got a lot of family there still. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But you moved around a lot. Why? Uh, well, just chasing jobs oh okay I guess. so but you Moving spent your childhood work, in chicago childhood in chicago yeah, most of it until the eighth grade oh until the eighth yeah my father moved for a job uh, from chicago new jersey when i was in the eighth grade so the whole thing went the whole thing went to jersey south jersey or north jersey central jersey central princeton area lawrenceville princeton if you know it exit no, seven <laughs> Exit seven. <laughs> nice. But we did have a former guest from Jersey who talked about a stretch of highway where it's like one of the most dangerous stretches of highway because you can either get in a car accident or get murdered. I forget. <laughs> Could be anywhere. Yeah, we've had a lot of Jersey guests. You know? Yeah, well, it was. <laughs> Talking about a lot of Jersey right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah it could be almost anywhere. And because he hated doing that stretch because he'd go to gigs. But he had to go home, and then he'd drive home scared out of his mind. Because hmm. uh, it was Alex McMurray who told us okay. about that. Really? Uh, yeah. I'll have to ask him. Yeah, he told us about there was a stretch there where it was just so fucking scary. I forget the highway, but it was in Jersey. But I guess all of Jersey's scary in some ways. Can yeah. be. You could yeah. be scared anywhere, really. You know? Yeah. But I understand you uh, you started playing music early on, huh? How did that happen? You have a, come from a musical family? Yeah, my dad played you know, he uh, he just played folk songs on the guitar and banjo. So he played at like all the neighborhood parties, church socials, around the campfire. We went camping a lot. 
So you have other people in the family playing. played also? Or? No, not really. Okay, I mean, I got you. five sisters, uh-huh. but no one in a brother. Uh, but no, no one, no one else in the family played but me, just okay. me and him. So, yeah, so he taught me how to play when I was really young, Woody Guthrie songs. Oddly, the first song I ever learned to play was Jambalaya. Yeah. It's because it's two chords. It's sure. easy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a crowd pleaser. It's a crowd pleaser, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I've been playing really since I was a little, little kid. Now, so did that give you a leg up uh, with with your father, uh, being that that you had that connection with him, and they're, fuck everybody else, <laughs> they, don't, they don't love me enough to, to come yeah, do this no, with me. No, man, my dad was. <laughs> you, you didn't want to get too close. Oh, really? <laughs> there was a medium distance that everyone was trying to achieve. That was just nice. But playing music is actually a way because my father and I had the same similar thing. Like the yeah. our, our biggest le- uh, point of connection is playing music. Hundred percent. 100%. That's what we had and still have. You know, I mean, I feel very close to him. You know, he's been gone for, I don't know, end of 2014. Oh, okay. But, um, you know, I have a song uh, called When You Die, You're Dead that I legit feel like we wrote together after yeah. he died when yeah. we could really talk, you know. And uh, it's a really good song. It's, it's about all of his songs that we sang together. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, just sort of the back and forth that we've always had. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a really it's a really great song. Kenny Vaughn plays on it on the oh, record, cool. and uh, it's a fucking jam. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I feel very, very close to my dad. Uh, way closer uh, after he dead. died. Yeah, now that he's dead. Way closer. Yeah. And, uh, That's nice. Yeah, we always did have that, you know, we always had that that thing you uh-huh. know well, i don't know no it's a now, where's your mom is she dead too? she's still with us man she's, she's kicking ass know. she's nice. she lives in texas she's 88 talked to her yesterday she still drives nice. she's still full of piss and vinegar vinegar yeah she's yeah. a pistol man yeah yeah she's down there <laughs> doing her thing she lives you know she lives with us uh one of my sisters lives real close by like mm-hmm. a mile away mm-hmm. looks in on her every day but uh not that she needs it. Yeah. You know, she's there. She's got her guns. Right on. It's warm. Okay. <laughs> right on. Now, I remember when my, uh, my grandmother, everyone says, oh, she's doing great. She still drives. She never drove. She, was, she sat in the neighbor's car, basically. Oh. You know? so, so my mom had this little bout of, like, dementia, maybe, uh-huh. like, a year, year and a half ago or something. So it was like, what are you going to do, blah, blah, blah. And her license expired. So everyone was like, all right, well, that's that. You can't drive anymore, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They tweaked her meds, whatever happened. She got up one day and just drove herself to the DMV, filled out all the forms, and just did everything by herself. She got approved, and they signed her up for another year or two or whatever you get in Texas. Yeah. And she, you know, she doesn't drive a lot. She's not going on the highway. Right. She drives to church every day <laughs> right. pretty much and the grocery store. Oh, nice. Not they much, drive nuts on the highway in Texas, man. Yeah, man. They fucking drive nuts there. Yeah, I don't think I don't think she'd want anything to do with going on the highway. Oh, no. They're fucking uh, nuts. Yeah. So y'all are a big church-going family? Uh, I would. I we were raised uh, very much a church-going family. Okay, which is what the song "When You Die, You're Dead" is about. Is my dad who never missed a Sunday, and you know went to all the Holy Days Catholic. Right, mm-hmm. seven kids in seven years. My oh, parents wow. <laughs> and uh, and they only stopped having kids because they wrote the Pope and got a special permission. Oh, really? From, to use birth control? No kidding. Yeah, didn't you know can that. Believe that. Was a thing. that yeah. Like the power the church had, you know, in this generation still. Right. Because now they're 
you know, they don't have that kind of power at all. Anyway, so, uh, but you catch my dad in a quiet moment after all of this Catholicism. You go, you know, when you die, you're dead. That's it. It's just over. Lights out. There's nothing out. Oh, okay. Nothing. <laughs> I'm like, but you go to church every Sunday. You know, no, it's just like a but he got he got comfort nihilist. from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's some just, uh, well, it's just with the song like that's uh-huh. it. You know, I I've done my time. Really, are you fucking kidding me? You're killing me. This isn't bad enough. I got to keep going <laughs> <laughs> after this is all over. No, absolutely not. When you die, your dad, it's all over. Okay, so you yeah, I yeah, believe yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, so uh, so you're playing in bands of kids your age at some point? Yeah, high school. I had a I had a band in high school. And I had a different band in college. Was this always like, folk music, or were you no rock? Into, okay. No, I was all like high school. Um, it was some of that was like a little bit more on the punk new wave side. Mm-hmm. Um, but college was all jam band. Grateful Dead, Neil Young, okay. Leonard Skinner, Allman Brothers. That was it. Was all that kind of music? You know, right. we wouldn't have played. I think we played Jenny, Jenny, but just on a goof and because someone knew the chords. Uh huh. You know, but it was mostly all jam band. And, and where was that? Uh, where would you go to, that, uh, to college? Uh, Ryder College in New Jersey. Oh, okay. Right. Now you were saying that uh, before we got on the air, you were saying that uh, you actually went to school with uh, with John Stewart, huh? from the daily show yeah yeah he was in my exact class in high school so okay. i went through all of high school with him in my class which is pretty hilarious you yeah. know if you think about it and what he became right like right. one of the most famous people ever yeah you know like someone goes like, well i went to school with you know right right john right. lovitz or someone yeah I, you know it's like oh that's pretty cool john stewart's pretty <laughs> fucking cool yeah yeah but yeah. yeah he was like the most popular guy voted most popular class clown okay he so. was like the coolest kid in the coolest clique oh all right yeah he he was it and he he, he was terrifying yeah like you know what i mean because he's just so smart and sharp and witty and cutting Right, you didn't like, want it turned yeah, on man, you in a I, negative way. Yeah, like that man. Yeah. I, I kept my distance. Okay. I was friendly with them the whole time, uh, right. but I never really hung out with them. I wasn't in that crowd. I, I was way too, uh, I don't know, retiring. <laughs> yeah, Reserve. man, they would eat me alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you get to college. Um, you're, you're, uh, is that when you start doing doing a radio show there at college? Yeah, my high school was really weird. It had a ten watt radio station in my high school. Huh. So I started being a DJ and like sophomore in high school, mm-hmm. and then my college was in the same town where I went to high school. So I actually started working at the college radio station before I even graduated high school. Because I just knew some of those two. WRRC. Is that the name? RRC was the high school? Well, now they're both the same because they had a big drama because they were stepping on each other. Uh And because the the, uh, town is halfway between Philly and New York, kind of, that the, the... television station signal was interfering with the radio and blah 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 so yeah my high school had, a, had a, a a radio station too it had a, my high school back in the early yeah. 80s yeah it was great that's where we hung out i didn't really partake much i knew people who were doing stuff on it uh i came by to listen once in a while but you could hear it you could hear it like you know five blocks away on the car radio and that was about it <laughs> after, yeah after you got about five blocks away you couldn't hear it anymore it was k-u-n-i Nice. Okay. okay. The home of the Warriors. 
Uni High School. Yeah, Uni yeah. High School. That's pretty good. Well, they changed their name because the Warriors is not nice to say anymore, I guess. <laughs> Even though the, the school's built on an old Indian reservation. <laughs> They have all kind of warriors. That's uh, I don't know how how that's pejorative, you know, warrior. But whatever. I don't know. No, I don't know. It's not my decision. My kids will tell you. I'll tell you that. Your kids will, will tell you how that's the cultural <laughs> oh, appropriation sure they, or yeah. something. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah, right, would be yeah, very yeah, articulate. About yeah, that. Oh, brother, don't get me started. <laughs> don't me um, <laughs> Don't get you started either. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, Greg. I was thinking it might might. Uh, all right, I'm liking it. Um, well, so is, is that kind of how you you wind up getting into television? Is, is this uh, radio? Yeah, I went to school for speech communications at Ryder, working in the radio station. Then I was working at UPS, saving money, kind of hung around. Graduating was a process. Mm -hmm. I thought I graduated college and went on a, a like a two-month bender. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe two and a half, because it's the summer of 85 okay. in its new wave. And we had this killer club in our town called City Gardens. And everyone would come through. You know, so you're seeing R.E.M., Black Flag. You know, it was all mixed up then. Joe Jackson. Right. I loved ministry at the time. Okay. You know, uh, so they would all come through because it was halfway between Philly and New York. It was mm -hmm. an easy gig. Great club. John Stewart was actually the bartender there for years. Okay. Um, and so I would see him after college and stuff like that. But uh, so, yeah, we would hang out that club all summer long. And it was just rolling. Yeah. rolling for two and a half months and then a phone rings and it's my college and they're like we're going over and over your records man and you're two credits short oh. because this class it's written on your transcript as credits but they don't count toward graduation i'm like how am i supposed to know that yeah. sounds like a you problem how am i supposed to right. well your advisor should have told you well my advisor dr lally was like 108 years oh. old he did, i don't even know if i ever talked to him so anyway so then i had to go back and take introduction to music that fall oh. while i was working so the whole thing took a lot of time uh -huh. and then i after that i went to europe and I just bust. I just brought my guitar and played all through Europe for about four months. Came back broke. A couple days after I got home, I got a job at a local television station in Trent, New Jersey. I literally got it within a few days of being home and started within a week of my coming back. Okay. And then that was 85 cable TV, so the timing was great. So it's like the, the beginning of cable TV. It's all just about to start really taking off. Yeah. And that was great. And then I worked there for a while before they closed. I went to C-SPAN. Well, C-SPAN is a nonprofit network, and it was owned, not owned, but, you know, managed. There was a board of all the big cable operators, and they mm. would all cycle through C-SPAN all the time because they were lobbying and do whatever shenanigans cable operators do uh -huh. in D.C. So I got to know all those cats at, like, a really high level. And then, you know, I just kept working really hard in the right place, right time and all that. But I knew all of these people and it all just, it kind of all went really well. Nice. Until it was over. Until yeah. it was over. <laughs> so he just leapfrogged from uh, from the, the, the local cable television to C-SPAN to the Lifetime channel. And to Bravo. And then Bravo was the rocket ride because that was the arts channel. I've always been in the arts. I left Lifetime because it was a woman's channel. I, I wasn't going anywhere. Now, you did sell shoes for a time. so, so Well, you, that was in college. But you couldn't have been totally uh, out of a fish out of water at the Lifetime channel, right? Oh, no. And I had the five sisters. Right. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, it was very sad. What happened to Bravo? It used to be such a great channel. I left. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember I was Ronald... the guardian of the group there, man. I was in meetings going, no, we can't do that. And they're like, what in the fuck are you talking about? It used to be such a great channel. It was, man. We had operas. We were playing all I mean, these it was, old it was Criterion arts. movies. It was, arts. it was all arts, man. And then it became like, you know... Fucking reality. Yeah, it was TV. all with Queer Eye. Queer Eye, um, that was the And then the other James Lipton show that well, I forget the name of that one. Oh, right? behind the actor studio. Inside the actor yeah. studio. Yeah. Yeah. And that that all just started to be great. And then the person who did all that, her name's Fran Barrick. And she was the brilliant head of programming who now is chairman of some big uh think NBC. She's oh, got okay. this. So she was a star right from the jump who, yep. who got all that going. And yeah, she's doing quite yeah, well. Yeah, see, I, I started working for HBO in the early 80s. Really? Yeah, in California. Huh. I was wow. working at Sunset Gower Studios for some production companies and we were selling shows to HBO. And this is when, you know, wow. they were just starting. Everything's just yeah. starting, you know. And, uh, I had the blast, you know, it was a blast, and I got to work on music videos, tons of music videos with bands that I loved and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, that's but awesome. That, but then I remember, because cable was exploding, and I remember that my first uh, cable, uh, you know, channel changer had a, this huge thick cord that connected to the TV. You remember that? <laughs> right, <laughs> remember right, that? to the little box with yeah. the line of the buttons. Click. Click, yeah, click, and if you lined them up just yeah. right, you could get the porn channels to well, come exactly. through, like you know, the paper clip and right. get them in between. <laughs> Not that I've ever done that. I just heard people talk. <laughs> heard people, people that talk did that. I caught my that. roommate once masturbating just to a fuzzy porno channel. <laughs> it just had the sound. It just, just, it, you just see like this thing going the back outline. and forth. Outline. Yeah, and it's like probably okay, a lot man. less gross than what you get today. Sure. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Still left something to the, the imagination. Right, exactly. This is the same guy I caught uh, masturbating uh, one morning to uh, that show Barnaby Jones. <laughs> <laughs> he thought had this thing for like the secretary and the sure show. Barnaby Jones. Yeah, well Barnaby, uh, what's his name, Epson? Uh, yeah, Buddy yeah. Epson. Yeah, yeah Buddy yeah, had yeah. some crew huh, that a little dark. Helped Rockford him out. Files, maybe. Yeah. Or McMillan and wife. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, the wife was always good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was something about this episode where the secretary gets in trouble and she's in duress and Barnaby saves her. But there's scenes where she's like by a pool or whatever. And he, that you know, sounds traumatic. This guy had a girlfriend, too. You don't want too. to hear the fire. <laughs> he had a girlfriend who was hot, too. And I don't know why he's masturbating. He just worked up, man. He's, he's a high-octane guy. Well, so we're we're kind of just about on the precipice where you're 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 going to move to the second phase of your life here in the in the in the story. But uh, man, it seems like a good time to take a little break, huh? Yeah, sure, we'll take a break. Um, what happened to my pen? Um, yeah, we take a break, and the troubled nation knows what to do. Oh, thank you, sir. This is my lucky pen. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll be right back. Oh, the beads of rain. Rolled down the window pane And they gather in a pool on the sill And I'm thinking how you're far off In some cold, lonely place And I'm wondering, are you thinking of me still? But we ain't nothing but a one-minute song 
once we loved But in a moment it was gone And I tell it to you now But you've known it all along We weren't nothing But a one minute song And we're back Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Yes. I am Renee Coleman. You are. Back with our guest, Mr. Greg Hill. Now, uh, Greg, as, as the other members of the Troubled Nation already know, uh, we are on a listener-supported model these days. Uh, we've, we're, we're, we don't have any outside corporate sponsorship. We're going directly to the people, bringing it to the people. And uh, we have... Uh, PayPal and Venmo links in the show notes of every show, as well as the Facebook page. And uh, we have listeners who generously support the, uh, the running operating costs of the, of the show, the bias cocktails, pay for our notebooks, um, pay for our, our uh, hosting services that we, in all the costs we incur on, on that side of it. We also have some, uh, some patrons on the Patreon page. Who, uh, who support us week in and week out. And at some point, I may have to go mow somebody's lawn, but uh, that, ha- that day hasn't come yet, but I'm prepared for it. My, my mower is in good, in good operating condition. Um, uh, let's see. Beyond that, uh, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, rate, subscribe, and review wherever you're listening to the podcast, whatever podcast service you're listening uh, uh Give us a review, give us five stars, costs you nothing, helps us a lot. Uh, we still do have those Troubled Men podcast t-shirts that are available. And, uh, you know, if you might want to uh, get your order in now for next Christmas, just so, uh, you know, so you're not there holding the bag at the end of the year. Um, beyond that, let's see, the iguanas are going out on the road uh, uh, end of, of March. You can find those dates on uh, iguanas.com. We have that link in the, the show notes as well. And I'll be doing all kind of stuff, and uh, it seems like enough of that. So back to our guest, Mr. Who Gr- paid for my notebook? No one's ever paid for my notebook. You said that people are paying for our notebooks? I guess I'm speaking figuratively, man. Oh, they're, okay. They're, they're they're paying. They're defraying our costs. They're, oh, they're okay. paying for our drinks, and uh, so I'll, I'll give you a dollar for your notebook, Manny. No, I I want my notebook. Okay. <laughs> Same people are paying for my notebooks. That's crazy. Anyway, go ahead. You done? Yeah, okay. I'm done. All yeah. right. Back to our guest, Mr. Greg Hill. So, uh, so Greg, you, you have this now. Uh, you're working for Bravo. Is, is uh, are, are you part? Of, is IFC a part of that? Or? Well, it was, it's a it was a company called Rainbow Media at the time. Mm-hmm. Now it's called AMC Networks, and so it's a cable network group, mm-hmm. and it was owned by a big cable company. Okay. And so the cable network group, you know, the distribution of all the cable channels goes into one big lump. They do it all together. Now, so that's what I was the guy in charge of selling the cable networks to the cable distributors like cable companies and direct TV and dish and stuff like that. Nice, nice. And yeah. so you wound up being like the, the president of distribution or something at, yeah. the, at that point. Now, did you wind up having an equity stake in this? Did you did you cash out with a whole bundle of dough at the end of all this? <laughs> yes. Okay, good for you. <laughs> that wasn't bad. No, that's no, it's great. I'm, was, I worked hard. Uh, no, you, you earned it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see somebody who, who went through something like that and is not bitter because they... <laughs> 
and get oh, to, no, I'm not hung out to dry. Good. The whole thing was a gas. The whole thing was a blast from start to finish. Nice. It was what Manny and I were just saying because well, he was with HBO. It, they had the so much money. It was fun. Right? It was so fun. <laughs> it was fun. And there was the lots 90s of... Too. Yeah. 90s, 90s too. Beginning 90s too. Well, like in the music It was like this. the player where it's all very elegant. Right, you know, There right. were nice lunches. We all smelled nice and yeah. dressed nice and <laughs> spent accounts and flying first class. We just went to Mexico for Christmas. I got upgraded from upgrades. I still have leftover from then in the early 00s. Wow. Wow. Because, yeah, it's crazy. And, it was and, a very it was a very good time, the and, whole thing. And you're living in Chicago at this time? No, New York. New we York. We have been okay. in New York okay. for like a oh, long right. time. Okay. Then. Yeah. At some point, we moved, you know, I we moved. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, with our young family. So, you do that. Uh, uh, what makes you decide to stop doing that? Well, that would be a whole other podcast. Okay. I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about for like what story you tell, but basically, here's the way I went down is I, I got into Thich Nhat Hanh, this teacher, this Buddhist teacher. Right. And Thich Nhat Hanh is, is the Vietnamese monk that brought the word mindfulness to the West. He helped Martin Luther King with all of his language when they were at Columbia together, and then Martin Luther King nominated him for a Nobel Peace Prize. This is a major dude in Buddhism, mm -hmm. and I got very into him, and I started going to retreats. I took the whole family to retreats. Now I'm at the Cannes Film Festival for like the 15th, 14th year in a row, something like that. And I'm in my limo. I'm going up. I got a car full of clients. I'm out of my goddamn mind at this point. I'm completely insane because I don't feel I belong where I am and I feel I need to be doing something else and I'm in intense state of you know uh, prayer and also dissonance on all of it I don't know what to do I got a young family we got a house I got all the bills you know I, I, mean, I feel trapped like a lot of people do so we're going up we're driving up to the red carpet to walk up the thing again and right in front of my limo in a Saturday night, packed Cannes Film Festival, if you can imagine, a crush of people against the cars because they're trying to see who's in all the limos. Three or four of Thich Nhat Hanh's monks walk right in front of my limo, of all things. Mm -hmm. And I knew what their robes were and what their thing was because I had been hanging around them a little bit already. Mm -hmm. So I jump out of the limo, I chase after them. I'm like, what are you doing here? Like this den of sin, like <laughs> what are you doing here? And, and they're like, what are you doing here? You've heard of Thich Nhat Hanh and you're wearing a tuxedo? And uh -huh. like, so we had this very brief exchange. And then they had to go. They're like, because they don't have phones or anything. They're monks. They're like, we can't lose them or we won't know where we got to go. And then like, and my limo was gone into the crush. So I'm just standing there in this crush of people sobbing just sobbing at like the horror the beauty the unbelievable thing that had just happened to me mm. like it made no sense at all it was the holiest moment you could ever be in and i just felt this light and it's crying and crying and and that was it i came back from that and i go i'm just gonna have to go i'm just gonna have to leave. so what were they doing there he had license his one of his books for some guy to make a film and he showed up there because he's his monastery in france is a couple hours away uh -huh. and so they came down there to do a press release to announce the making of this film which ended up never getting made because that's the way the business works as you know and so then uh yeah they were just there for a couple hours at that moment 
But if they walked behind my car, I wouldn't have saw them. If they right. walked one car ahead of me, I wouldn't have saw right. them. Right. Just they were there it was just so you could run meant, into them. You could have your road to Damascus to moment be. there. Yeah. And then that was it. You know, I kind of extracted myself. It took some doing. And, and then I, you know, the day all the papers were signed, literally the very next morning, I drove my car from New York to San Diego, Escondido area to just start living in that monastery and stayed there for a while. And you gave them all your money? No. Oh. <laughs> don't, don't be, don't be no. absurd. They're not like that. <laughs> no. They got plenty of money. They have like Benioff and all these people that give them oodles right. of money. Oh, okay. Now, now, what did your, your family think of all this? That you brought your young family? Oh, I had a sister who was sending priests to my house. Yeah. I had a sister who like was having an intervention. Uh-huh. It was unbelievable. Going to exercise you? Yeah, man. <laughs> like, you know, you have to do this. You're going to hell. She's sending postcards all over the world, I heard, and now, shit like that. Are you chanting? There's some chanting in that yeah, tradition, like the yeah. Nam Renge Ku, whatever mm. that thing is. No, they have yeah. a lot of their own music, which actually, if you go on my Spotify, my first song um, is a song that one of the nuns recorded and put on a record and tagged it to me. Hmm. And uh, it gets played all over the world. This, it's a song I wrote that's in, I don't even know how many languages, maybe all of them. Wow. I've heard it sung to me in numerous languages apparently it translates very well wow that's so cool <laughs> yeah and it's like if you get songs in that tradition they end up within that you know that body of uh-huh, it becomes and, codified in the in, yeah, the, in the literature and, and people know it all over wow, that's, and, well, that's, that's, yeah it was really funny because there's this guy like he writes great songs his name joe riley and he writes a lot of songs in that tradition and I was just looking at a lot of people that I know around here, comparing them to Joe Riley, who has way more plays on Spotify from his songs just in that. And he doesn't tour or do anything at all. It's just from people who, you know, they go to the retreats or they stay in the monastery for a while and they learn the songs. Now, this place in Escondido, that's, that was pretty close to uh, those, uh, that one, uh, what was those people who did that mass suicide? Uh, Heaven's Gate. Yeah, Heaven's oh, Gate. Oh, the sneaker people. Yeah, the sneaker people. Yeah, yeah. Bob. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't yeah. that, was it? No. <laughs> no, okay. No. no. All right. No. Now, so, is this Vietnamese guy still around? No, he uh, he left his mortal coil a couple of years back. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, but he, yeah, is a, he was very old. Because he has the same thing like your dad. When you're dead, you're dead? That, or does he think he's going to have some other afterlife? No, he doesn't think it. He knows it. Oh, he knows it. Yeah. So now you actually wind up getting close to uh, Tick Not Han. Right. Yeah, I just because I was around there a lot and I played music, so I ended up, you know, you're always like, can you play here, play there? So I'm playing a lot and um, being around him a lot. And then he, he was exiled from Vietnam uh, because he was for peace. Mm-hmm. He was not for the North or the South. So... South, so so both sides kicked him out, and he was exiled to France for forty years, and now this is two thousand and seven, and he's having this historic return to Vietnam. Um, you know, that's been a long time coming. They let him back in, so I went with him as a part of his international delegation. So there were people from all over the world representing him and following him as disciples. So I was there for six weeks. And it was incredible. I mean, you're, it, it, was, it was literally must have been what it would be like to follow Jesus or some other guru because mm. you were getting two, three Dharma talks a day. 
and you would just get on the bus, go to some other little village. He would do the talks, and we got everything in headphones translated so we can, you know, because it's all in Vietnamese. And then again, and then you'd sleep and eat, and, you know, all these little places all over Vietnam. So he took a bus, not a limo? He, uh... No, he was probably in a car. I never saw him in a bus. He was too old and frail to uh, get okay. into that bus. Yeah. Now, when you say the the Plum Village tradition, what is the Plum Village? That's Thich Nhat Hanh's okay, tradition. Okay, That's okay. sort of his school of Buddhism that he founded. Oh, okay. You know, gotcha. so, yeah. Now, from there, you you wind up uh, uh, being co-founder of, of this this uh, place in in Westchester. Yeah, just a local sangha. You know, okay. a local. Um, you know, meditation group. Um, now they, are you, they have them are all you over. teaching at the, the a little bit? Okay. Yeah, there. Yeah, I did that for years. Every you know, every Thursday. Now, for so years. coming out of being a television executive, very successful, and then now you're you're teaching this. I'm the, with the looking at the smile on your face. I'm imagining you got a great deal of satisfaction out of that. Well, it was, you know, it's a beautiful time. You know, it's like you're. I was very transformed, you know. I look at what I wrote then, you know. I look at what the art that I was making. I don't even know who that person was. I am not that way now. <laughs> Certainly after five and a half years in New Orleans. Okay, sure. <laughs> you know, there was just sort of a lightness of heart for years and the echo of all of that, what they call bodhicitta, this awakening, this powerful... Like some people study Buddhism and they get more into it over time and... My experience was an explosion mm. of just understanding and in, in seeing a reality I had never... It was like my brain became rewired very quickly hmm. right in that time in, in, in 2005 and 2006. And I would see people. I wouldn't know who they are. When I came back from Vietnam, I was standing in front of people, neighbors, friends in town who didn't know who I was. I was really... I, I lost 30 pounds. I was tan. I cut my hair off. All that helped, but it was mostly like all the lines were gone out of my face. I would walk from my house down by the water and just sit on a bench for hours. Try and sit on a bench for 10 minutes. You right. Know? But to sit on a bench and look at the water just for hours. I mean, it was a weird time in my life. And then that started all the sculpture. The sculpture started coming. And I, in a weekend, transformed my music studio into a into a, like a painting sculpture studio okay. in a weekend and just stored all the music stuff and started huh. making sculptures what what uh, what was the inspiration I don't know on? man yeah just just I don't know I started like... picking up cans off the street I couldn't step over a smashed can okay and then I started to scale it up so then I started getting backhoes and bulldozers and shit and smashing oil barrels and giant oil drums mm. and then later come to find out like all these iconic <laughs> images these iconic forms of industrialization is what i was smashing as i had done to myself okay and so the truth of that art and it was so honest and real because it was just all happening and really i just didn't get in the way of it mm -hmm. that really resonated and that's how i got the galleries and you know i got the show in chelsea and all of you know, and then I just started going, and now I'm talking to Gallery Lalong, which is Andrew Goldsworthy and, nice. and Yoko Ono. Right. And, you know, it's all going, and now uh, one day I wake up, I'm just making all this shit to sell it like I went right out of the firing 
pan into the different frying pan. Uh-huh. And so that just then that just kind of faded away. Like I I didn't really pursue the sculpting over any period of time. And you know, then I just started playing music again, which is what I've always done, which is my main art right, form. Yeah, this is, is songwriting the, and recording. The through line. Yes, yeah, you if during, not performing. D- during this whole time you've recorded uh, six records. Yeah, uh, I was always making starting records. way back uh, at the you know, the beginning of, of your your other yeah. parallel career in, right. in, in uh in, in television. But then at some point you wind up at at uh, Zuccotti Plaza, right? At uh, well, the- that was kind of after that because that was 2011. So I lived in Larchmont, New York, uh-huh. and like Timothy Geithner lived right around the corner from me. My kids went to school with his kids. Like I would go by his house. And Larchmont's full of bankers, and 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 so 2008 happens, and nobody goes to fucking jail. Right. But I understood it all at the time because I was around people all the time who, you know, they knew what CDOs were. You know, sure. they, I knew what these packages were and how it went around because I'm playing cards and I know all people that are involved in it. Right. And you're like, oh, what's going on? So by 2011, especially after Obama came in and then, thanks Obama, nobody went to jail. It was like, I was outraged, man. I was, I still am, as you can tell. That nobody was punished for these crimes where, you know, 8 million people lost their homes, lives were wrecked, and they consciously committed all of these crimes. And still no one, and no one's going to, go to jail for those massive crimes. So we kind of had enough. And, you know, there was this magazine, maybe still around, I don't get it anymore, called Adbusters. You know Adbusters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Adbusters, they had an ad in there. It said, you know... I think it was November 11th or something like that. It was like November, Wall Street, November 11th, bring 10. And I saw that and I just started emailing people. I, I literally, in my nice suburban neighborhood, made a sign and posted it on my front lawn the way Trumpies do today. You know, and, I mean, I was out of my mind. I just wanted justice. <laughs> I was outraged and maybe a little lost. And so... Uh, yeah, man, so I'm emailing people, but they shut down my email. I would get this triangle yellow thing, your account has been flagged for suspicious activity, call your administrator. I have screenshots of it. I posted it on my Facebook. Just at your home. They deleted your, that your, Facebook Your, your home email. Uh, I mean, yeah, my sick, Yahoo yeah, yeah. mail. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I couldn't send anything with whatever keywords. Bank, Wall Street, you know, street, money, what, whatever. And I couldn't send those. So then I had to start calling people. Uh-huh. Well... Then they're calling my phone. And keep in mind, this is three, day, four days, two, three, four, one day before it's even starting. Uh-huh. Right, like right, they right. knew who I was. Right? And they, then the actual day of marching in there was euphoric. And it was like, we're all by the courthouse. We're going to do it there. The signs, everyone's screaming. And it's like, no, we're going to get out. Then we all went to Zuccotti because someone figured out there was some shenanigans where it was like quasi-public something and they didn't have the authority to kick you out, but it was still a public space. Forget exactly. So then we took over Zuccotti. Right there. What, it was literally Zuccotti one of the first it's, people. It's uh, Occupy Wall Street. That's what he's oh, talking about. Okay. Yeah, Occupy, yeah, Occupy Wall, Wall Street. Street. I thought you were talking about the January 6th riots. Is that you were part of that? No, 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 no. no, no. Okay, all right. No, this is going back to 2011, right? Uh, uh, Occupy Wall Street. Yeah, Occupy uh, Wall Street. 
So yeah, oh, and then the whole thing went global. It was crazy mm. every day of being there. And right just, now, so so you're down there, uh, you know, right right <laughs> know right in, in the middle of it, and there's a lot of foolishness going on too, right? I mean, there's like the people wouldn't clap or something; they'd, they'd wiggle their well, fingers. Well, they wouldn't or, let you use any megaphones or any uh-huh. amplification of your voice. So that's the way they clipped it. Okay. Uh, it went on and on, Renee. I'm telling you, they would just take buses of crazy people from Bellevue and Rikers, and they would just dump them there. They would who the ar- authorities? The authorities, quote unquote, uh-huh. whoever the fuck these right. people yeah, are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They would arrest people. Groups. They'd put people on. You know, they'd get ten or twenty of us, and and then they were going to arrest you, but there was no real charge. They would just drop you in Harlem. Okay. Everyone out. Uh-huh. Just fucking it up the whole time. Keep in mind, Bloomberg. Bloomberg is mayor. Right, right, right. I mean, if he's the mayor, he's responsible for a lot of this that went down, right? Sure. Uh, but he's also in charge of keeping the peace. And, you know, I mean, from an objective perspective, from, you know, the banker side of things, you have to applaud what he did. I think Bloomberg, for his team, could not have done better. Oh, no, no. He managed it all great. No, he managed absolutely. it all great. Now, now, what does your family think about you down there in a the tent? And uh, they, they think uh, Dad's lost his mind again, or, uh, uh, or, or they were cheering for you? They were, they or just uh, I don't know. Took all, a wait all, and see attitude. All, all three of my kids have a, a very strong sense of justice. Okay, it just goes through our family. Well, no, I, no, I get the 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 motivation. I understand. I I I, I felt uh, you know. Yeah. People should have gone to jail. It was criminal. They knew all this stuff. I, I agree with you 100%. When I saw you all down there, I thought, well, here's, here's how the power structure will use these people to yeah. mock the whole idea that anybody should go to jail. You know, I mean, that's, that's right. the way these things well, happen. Well, back to John Stewart on that one. Okay. He was no help. You know, he, he, we were waiting for him to take a side but he didn't you know obama you were thought okay well he's going to be on the right side we were just screaming at the cops all the time going you're on the wrong side man you know you're on the wrong side turn around face that way but i don't know i feel like people in america have been saying that from the jump i mean they've been saying that since the tea party right 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 we live in a labor camp man this is a labor (laughs) camp period and everyone's just trying to find their own little way through it as best they can. I feel yeah. like I'm doing all right uh, yeah. so far. I think we're all doing all right, man. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it could be a lot worse. It can be a lot worse. I sure. love New Orleans for that. It seems like there's a ton of people here who have found some little path to make it work. And they can say and do whatever they want. There's not it's a lot of pressure. It's called drugs and alcohol. Yeah. A lot of that, but there's a lot of people who have little businesses or they got three or four little things going, make their way. It got a little harder since COVID, but it's one of the cool things about here. It's a little oasis from out of the labor camp. Most people don't have a regular job. No, they don't. (laughs) And there's not a lot of chains here. There's only a few Starbucks, really. You well, know. well, I remember when I, at one time, when I, the Iguana's early career, we'd be playing uh, Maple Leaf on a Sunday night, and it'd be like four o'clock in the morning, and people are going, no, don't stop, don't stop. <laughs> right. And I, I remember looking out there going, what the fuck do you people do for a living, man? <laughs> right. Jesus Christ, doesn't anybody have a day job? <laughs> nope. I mean, I know I don't, but <laughs> I know. Like, right. a room full of people. Yeah. Yeah. That part of New Orleans is great. 
Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so that kind of, uh, I mean, was that a big letdown when that, when that just kind of dissipates? Yeah, I started, I needed something to do and I started hanging around with this cat who was doing a, a game-based learning stuff and he just needed help. He was a neighbor of mine. So I started with him and then that fell apart. And as that fell apart, I, I, I kind of got some energy and I'm like, you know, I could do this. This guy's making a couple million bucks a year. And uh, if he can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. So I just incorporated and I hired his chief coder. And uh, (laughs) the two of us got in a little office space, oddly, right next to a bunch of guys from Anonymous. So like I got all of the footage like when NYPD came in the middle of the night and just blew the place out and put the whole camp into garbage trucks. Mm -hmm. Like I have the NYPD video of that. Oh, okay. Or I used to. Uh-huh. I put it on my Facebook. They took that down too. Um, so, and then I, I built this. Uh, it took me two and a half years, and we built a, a software as a service it's called SAS, game based learning company. And I worked my ass off. I showed up to work every single day, and we built it and sold it. It was epic. It was absolutely epic. So, that and was it, your big startup move, right that there? That was, I did the full on tech startup thing. On like 38th and 7th, and uh, and uh, yeah. No, what, what game base is that? Well, it was an that? app that we is an app that we created where employees could train on their phones by playing games. So it asked you questions that was actually repetitive. That would be the training for whatever you whatever kind of corporate horseshit they were trying to train you to do. Oh, okay. And so you would just play the games, but then all the data from the games would go back to corporate. So they could look and see who was doing what and all that. Right, right, And uh, it was actually pretty funny because I got very far along with Citibank. (laughs) (laughs) You're backdooring it there. Oh, I was so fucking backdooring it. (laughs) It all came crashing down. They got on to me. Oh, really? (laughs) Really, It all worked out fine. I didn't get them, but we got other people. It all worked really good, and then I sold that. All right, nice. Got out while the getting was good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's hard, man. That's really hard work. Yeah, that, I wouldn't know. Was... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You, I know. It's like me. another <laughs> lifetime. But yeah. Oh, it's so stressful. Every moment of every day. Yeah. You know, you just, and people are on it, and then shit's crashing, and, you know, and then you're trying to get money, and it's like. Right. Whew. When that sold was one of the better moments of my life. Yeah. <laughs> it had been like weeks of working with this seller who was great guy and we got along great and you know now all the papers are signed and everyone's saying it but it's Christmas and I was home on my couch The my chief tech was in the Philippines on a mountain which he had arranged ahead of time to make sure this place he was going to be at had Wi-Fi uh-huh. he the, the buyer was in Costa Rica his coder was in Chicago his lawyer was in New York so it was like eight people on a phone all over the world, you know, in right. just like figuring it out and I click and send it. Yes, I got it. The thing, click, 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 you know, boom, sign that paper. And my lawyer's like, okay, it can be released now. Boom, boom, boom. And it's like this 20, 30 minute call. And then at the end of it, I'm just sitting there on my laptop hitting refresh, refresh, refresh on my bank account. Watching and then the money one, of the re- <laughs> one of the refreshes were like, pow, done. I close my laptop, I walk out onto my front lawn, and my neighbor across the street, Lou, was there. I'm like, Lou, 
I just closed my evicle. And he's like, yeah, all right. Whatever. <laughs> it was it. It was just nothing now, after that. Now, how did that compare to uh, the moment when you run into the monks there at Khan? Oh, it's totally different. Sure. That This uh, was all about, I can't work this hard, and I need to get all of my money back, plus make some money for all of my work. Right, right. You know, that was very much uh, samsara-based. Still, <laughs> still a peak moment, though. Oh, my God, yeah. Right, That's why right. I'm telling the story. It was a sure. great moment of like, because I'll tell you what, if you ever sell a company and the people who have sold the company know, the minute it's sold, that's it. Yeah. You go from worrying about all this shit to nothing in a click. Uh-huh. <laughs> Done. Yours. Nice. Like selling a house, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you know this is wrong, you know that's wrong, and you're going to fix that thing. Right. Now you don't have to. Well, now I understand your lightness of being uh, uh, that that I always experience with you, Greg. That's because uh, you're a man who who does all that stuff is in the rearview mirror. You know, all your all your big concerns, I guess. Yeah. No, New Orleans will do that to you too, though, man. I love it here. Yeah. I we've been here five and a half years. I came down here because you know I write and record. And right. I have really good records. Not that anyone in New Orleans listens to them. Believe me. Seems like a lot of people have an opinion, but never really listen to the records. Yeah. And because, you know, it's not a songwriter recording. I listen to your record. Thanks, it's man. Terrific record, man. No, I love it. It's, uh, it's, it's, Thank uh, you. I love the handmade quality of it, you know. I love the, the, uh, the intimate uh, quality of it. And actually, you just got uh, a very nice uh, review or, or a nice accolade from uh, Bill Bentley uh, from, from uh, Americana Highways magazine and named it as one of his favorite records of 2023. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. That means a lot to me, Renee. Thank you. I yeah, really man. appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's just that you listen to it all. Yeah, no. I listened you. to it before. Appreciate I listened to it again today. Oh, no, man, I, thanks. Uh, that means a lot to me. Dude. Oh, Thank absolutely. you for that. So, yeah, so. so you're here now. You're, 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 uh, all the, the corporate world is behind you. I mean, you're still a young oh, man. You could, you could, uh, you could still, that young. You could still uh, dive back in. Well, uh, look, I, I went to the uh, Troubled Men podcast staff physician today. I had my <laughs> annual, uh, oh. annual once over. And again, just like you were telling me last time, I didn't even take my pants down. I, I think he just wants to be friends now. I don't know, man. He's, uh, you know, it's, uh, well, he, he doesn't want to touch He just doesn't want to go there. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, go but uh, I mean, did he do it to you last time? No, not the last time either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's like uh, a, it's he like just a, wants to be friends now. A colonoscopy. It's just like every five years with him. It's the same thing with the exam. It's like okay. every three years. Well, but but he did say uh, that he thinks I have uh, some some arthritis in my uh, hip. So oh, so uh, yeah. You know, I, I, how it starts. <laughs> That's how it starts. Yeah, I remember, uh, I think it was the show Doug Belote was on. You said you wrenched your hip changing something. I said, well, you're not going to feel it now, but you're going to feel it later. And now you're feeling it. Now I'm feeling it. Yeah. And you said, oh, I'm resilient. I'm resilient. Well, I am. I've been going yeah. strong since yeah, then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but stopped me. But <laughs> yeah, I know. But I told you it's going to come back. All right, Manny Chevrolet, right again. He, yeah. At that same show, he said uh, that COVID was going to shut the whole country down, and he was yeah. right. Yeah. Manny's uh, rather prescient. Yeah. And he said that his hip, uh, 
he was going to be okay. And now, five, four or five years later, just like I said, well, you're uh, going to have some problems. I, I have been okay. At some point in my life, I will be dead, and I won't be okay. Yeah. So, yes, it, it is, is a progression for sure. Yeah. You know, it's a, that'll be it. Yeah. yeah. And, well, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not so sure, No, <laughs> me neither. I'm uh, I'm keeping my options open, right. Greg. <laughs> I have a, a very strong connection to the uh, to the uh, the the great beyond. So uh, I always have. So I don't know. Nice. It's uh, you know I I don't know what I just have a hunch and it's such a strong hunch. It's got to come from somewhere. That's what I think. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. No, nobody convinced me of this. They didn't talk me into it. I just always thought it. You know. Yeah. So, uh, that's uh, no, I think I'm with that's. You. Some people would call that God, or you know, the some you know the 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 divine essence. I don't know. The Holy Spirit. The Holy I mean, it's Spirit. in every yeah, tradition yeah. all over the yes. world, and yes. as all the humans found each other, they found out that they all had that in common. Right. That every single culture has a Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I'm totally with or you. Or every culture has a sucker born every minute too, right? Well, sure, That's absolutely. True. You know, yeah, 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 that's yeah. what this fucking religion is, man. <laughs> the religion is, yeah, yeah. yeah it's not the Holy us. Spirit. The yeah. Holy Spirit it's doesn't have suckers, a religion. Man. Yes, I agree. Religion, He's used. religion, He's easily used. Religion hijacks uh, the 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 uh, the Holy Spirit for its own purposes. Yes, yeah, yes. I yeah. don't know anything about a Holy Spirit. Um, so, Greg, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of uh, coming on the, the downslope of the podcast here. So, yeah, w- what a life it's been. What a, what, a, what a journey that you are now in a position where you're, you're uh, you know, financially comfortable, you're spiritually free, you're, you are uh, uh, creatively uh, let loose here in New Orleans. Yeah. Good for you, man. It is good. <laughs> I mean, I don't perform a lot. So part of the journey of coming here is like performing because I make records and write Mm -hmm. and I've made really good records with some of the best people. Right. And, and, uh, and now it's performing as a whole other art form. You know, I'm not naturally inclined to it. It was nice playing with you at the Lindrury thing. Sorry, that was a lot of fun. That up. Oh yeah. no, that's all right. No, that was, yeah. that was no, fun. You guys man. did great. And you know, that's, uh, playing with John full. It was, it, that was, that was cool. Um, but no, it's just trying to get better at performing. I have a record company now called Skippy Records. Nice. And so that's a little label that I'm getting going, mostly for me. Mm-hmm. I got a, a little tour in Florida coming up. I got a show in Atlanta uh, coming up on January 28th. I got five shows in Florida through the middle of January. Then I'm going to Folk Alliance. Um, I'm working with Michael Paz now, so he's agent. Former yeah. Troubleman podcast guest. He was. Oh on. yeah, yeah, yeah. I go way oh, back with, with awesome. Michael. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, so we've been working together and really enjoying it. He's just a great guy, and um, yeah. So he he's really helped me out a lot, and I got like five showcases at uh, the Folk Alliance coming up in mid February up nice. in Kansas City. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, we're gonna put some other little shows and tours together. I'm gonna get out west later in the year. I'm doing a. Uh, uh, more of a uh, more robust tour uh, of the Northeast in okay. uh, in late summer. So right we'll on be up there. So, yeah, every, so we're kind of planning out the year. And yeah, everybody, check out uh, the links. I'll have the links to uh, to Greg's uh, website, and he'll have all you know in the in the show notes. We'll have all of his dates listed there. And cool. uh, so, thank you, know, you. Keep keep an eye out for Greg. Now, this is just you and your guitar, or something. Yeah, or? it's me and my guitar. I have a, you know, I play with a band. I like playing the old point. 
um, going to meet with them tomorrow, actually, to, to set up like a, a bunch of dates on the upcoming The Old months. Point? What's that? The Old Point Bar in Algiers. Oh, okay. And so I play there with my band. When I get out of New Orleans, my band does a little bit better because it's more country, alt-country, uh-huh. folk-based, classic country kind of stuff, but all with a rocking edge to it. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I only played The Old Point the first time a couple months ago. And uh, people there really responded. I love the room. Nice. You know, I know a lot of people play there, but I don't know. Just something about that room. I just love it, and they like me, so I'm going to play there more with the band. But yeah. when I'm playing Bufas or, like, I just played Tigerman Den, that's usually by myself. Or um, I've been playing with Johnny Vayner on fiddle lately, okay. and he does a harmony, so he's got such a beautiful voice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's normally by myself, but sometimes with the duo or the full band. Right on. Well, uh, thank you so much thank for, you, for coming on, Greg. It's been Thanks what a what a fascinating that. life, man. Uh, I mean, uh, it's, it's uh, Thanks, incredible. Danny. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, glad glad to have you down in New Orleans, man. man yeah. Man. Well, uh, Trouble Nation, as always, uh, we like to say, trouble never ends, but the struggle continues. Good night. Good night. Well, I could see you. Uh, Through the curtains in the window I was outside by the willow Under the big blue moon I was wondering What it was you were doing I was thinking through all the things we could do under the big blue moon Daytime, the stars shine behind the bright blue sky Nighttime, the sun shines, lights that big blue moon and I love ya I really, really, really love ya And I'm thinking of all the things We could do, me and you Under the big blue moon Sky. Nighttime, the 
and I love ya. I really, really, really love ya. And I'm thinking up all the things we could do, me and you under the big blue.